You're listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. If it is your first time here, my name's Ryan Phipps. Uh, I lead our congregation over in Manhattan. Thank you for tolerating my presence today. Pierre, congrats on the win. One for the bald team. (laughs) Well, yeah, we're looking at a uh, difficult passage today. You just heard uh, Tommy read it a minute ago. Doesn't sound like something Jesus would say, but it's in Matthew's gospel, the 10th chapter, the 34th verse, and it says this, it's Jesus speaking. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What does that mean? Seems pretty contradictory from a lot of the other things Jesus has said when he tells us to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us. What's he trying to get across to us here? You know, when before Jesus was born, there was this prophecy that was written about him that says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, what? Prince of Peace. Interesting. And so he's born, he grows up, and somewhere in his early 30s, he says this, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. The Prince of Peace said that. We have a contradiction here. One that we as people of faith and reason and conscience have a responsibility to sort out and make sense of. Today we gather on Father's Day. Andrea asked me what I wanted for Father's Day. My requests are always really small. I have a one and a half and a three and a half year old. I said, I would like a glass of whiskey and a nap, please. (laughs) That's all that I want for Father's Day. But in the spirit of Father's Day, um, there's a story from my childhood that I want to share about my dad that I think will shed some light on this passage for us today. Um, When I was a kid, my dad pastored in a low-income neighborhood in the inner city of Flint, Michigan. Beautiful city. Anybody ever been there? It's not. (laughs) It's not beautiful. But Flint has always been a rough town. But during the 80s when my family lived there, it had the highest murder rate per capita of any city in the country. Now, if you've ever met my father, you would agree with me that he is by definition the most suburban man alive. He buys everything he wears at JCPenney's to relax, to to like wind down and relax. He wears chinos with a golf shirt and penny loafers and the golf shirt is tucked in. That's not relaxing. That sounds constraining. He wears a suit and a tie to work. This is my father, the style guru, guru of suburban fashion. But when summer rolled around each year when I was a kid, obviously out of school, I had no choice on certain days but to go to the office with my dad because my mom was also working full-time. And so when I was with my dad at the church office, my parents had some very strict rules. They said, you can play wherever you want on the church property, but do not leave the church property. This neighborhood is very dangerous. And so one day I'm sitting in the reception area of the church office, coloring on some coloring books. And my dad comes out of his office and he's not wearing a suit and tie. He's wearing these horrible, like glowing white cross trainers. He's got these socks pulled up to his knees. He's got a pair of pleated khaki shorts on. And to top it all off, he has a t-shirt on with a giant Texan flag that says, don't mess with Texas. 
My dad is from Texas. That's his home state. But he was also carrying a basketball. And he said to me, come on, Ryan, let's go for lunch break and play basketball at the park across the street. So this park that my dad was talking about was the kind of park that everybody called a park, but it really wasn't a park. You know what I mean? It was more like an open-air drug market. And um, there were no children in this park ever. Children did not go to this park. It wasn't for kids. It had no working swing sets or jungle gyms. It was this barren landscape littered with empty beer cans and whiskey bottles and used drug paraphernalia. But it did have a basketball court. And as my dad and I exited the church and we crossed the street, I could see off in the distance this very intense game of basketball going on. I could hear curse words and shouting. And the guys watching the game from the sidelines were drinking something out of these paper bags, the same kind of paper bag my mom would put my lunch in for school. And the music coming from this park back in that day, they had boom boxes. Anybody know what a boom box is? The music coming from these boom boxes sounded very angry, very violent, very different from the church music my mom would play on our tape player at home. And as my father and I entered this park, you know when like a DJ scratches and stops, it just goes, it was like that sound happened somewhere in the ether when we stepped into this park. Like everything just stopped, everybody looked in our direction. Two foreign beings had just invaded a forbidden turf. A balding white man with a 10-inch comb over, bad shorts, bad shoes, terrible socks, with a basketball in one hand and his child's hand in the other. Dad walked right into the middle of this game and he stuck out one of his hands and in his Texan accent he said, Howdy, my name's Pastor AC. I work at the church across the street. Can me and my son play basketball with y'all? And a hush fell over the entire city of Flint, Michigan. Like the whole city went quiet. I thought the electricity was going to go out. It was weird. But this awkward handshake took place between my dad and the guy that was playing point guard. And after what seemed like years, the guy that my dad was speaking to pointed to two of his teammates and he said, you guys set this game out. They're going to play in this game with us. And my dad and I joined their team in this game. It was one of the most terrifying experiences I have ever had as a child. Looking back on it and having kids now, I'm like, man, what the heck was my dad thinking? Like, it's taking me into this drug market park. Like, nice parenting, dad. <laughs> But my dad seemed really happy about this, that we were invited into this game. And the guy playing point guard threw me the ball and he said, here kid, you take the ball out. And so I took the ball out and we begin to play. I even scored a layup, or rather they let me score a layup. And something strange started happening as we were playing this game with these people that our church people never seem to mix with and befriend. Something in the atmosphere of that park shifted. It started to feel less foreboding, less dark, less angry, less foreign. It was the same feeling I would have, which was strange to me as a kid, I remember feeling this. It, it's the same feeling I would have when we would sing songs together at church as a congregation. 
It was the same feeling I would have when my family would sit at our dinner table and tell stories and have conversations and laugh together. All of the sudden, this park that felt dark like a place no one was supposed to go felt like we were having a shared experience. There was camaraderie, there was teamwork, there was, dare I even think it, friendship. A line was crossed and a barrier was breached. And two people groups that were formerly divided by cultural norms were all of the sudden mixing and playing a game together. And I will never forget that as long as I live. You know, as I have aged, um, my opinions have become very different from that of my father. We differ politically, we differ theologically, we differ philosophically, and in, we differ in just about every other area of knowledge that exists for humankind to ruminate over. Why is that funny? <laughs> but I struggle. I, I really honestly do struggle to believe some of the things that my father believes about God. I am never on the same page with him politically. But the way that I have watched my dad cross lines and break cultural norms over the years for the sake of building bridges with people has left an indelible mark on me. To this day, to this very day, nothing makes me ache more inside than when I see people dividing and separating and afraid of one another because of the way culture has programmed us. And in some strange way, though my dad and I believe very different things, there's something about my dad's beliefs that go far beyond the boundaries of doctrine and they continue forward into a kind of love that is difficult to put into words. But the results of that love are easy to see. It looks like friendship. It looks like unity. It looks like camaraderie. It looks like teamwork. It looks like bridge building. And above all, it looks like people mattering more than principles. I would posit today that this story about my dad, this example of my father, is precisely what Jesus is trying to get across to us in this passage here today. If you're taking notes today, write this down because this is our takeaway for, for the day. Our war is not with people. It is with principle. Our war is not with people. Our war is with principle. Jesus in this verse isn't talking about taking a sword to people. He's talking about taking a sword to principles that don't create real lasting peace. That's the only way we can interpret this passage if Jesus truly is the Prince of Peace. And we're to espouse a Christianity that is both just and generous. My dad walked onto that basketball court that day to bring peace to people. But at the very same time, by walking on that court, he was declaring war on principle. What principle? The principle that this group can't mix with this group and these people can't be friends with these people. They can't play a game together. There can be no teamwork. That's impossible. That goes against human nature and cultural programming. We should stay separate and stay apart. And there should be very clear divisions between us. And my dad walked onto that court that day and 
took a sword to that principle and put it to death. Our war is with a cultural paradigm that programs us to divide and to fear each other. Stuff that's in the air, the, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, the, the, the public consciousness that we just so easily fall into without even thinking about it. Paul puts it beautifully, and this is a bit lengthy, but everything in this speaks to this so well. Paul puts it this way. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our war is not with people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. These are ideas and ideologies and paradigms, invisible things, systems of thought. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert or be mindful and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel or the good news for which I am an ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? It's a representative from another place in a foreign environment for which I am an ambassador. Pray that I may declare the gospel fearlessly, the good news fearlessly, as I should. That's battle language. He's talking about armor and war with something. And it's not with flesh and blood. It's not with people. Even Paul understood this very important distinction that people are not the enemy. Principle is the enemy. Our war is not with people. And in times like these, especially after all we saw and heard and felt with what went down in Orlando last Sunday at 2 a.m., we need to be very careful about who we are angry with. We need to be very careful with what our response will be in times like these and with situations like this. We can so easily respond with anger and hatred to anger and hatred. We can get angry at people or we can take a higher road in our thinking and in our conscience by declaring war on principles that are championed in our society that make tragedies like Orlando a possibility. How do we do that? Well, 
we do it by responding to hatred and violence with firm love and justice. We do it by how we vote. We do it by being discerning enough to see the ideals and the ideas that promote violence in our culture. And we refuse to do anything to feed them and to grow them. We do it by embarking on the long and arduous journey of changing the principle, by elevating the minds around us and showing people by how we live and how we love that there is a better way. Esteeming people above principle always, that's what we must do. That is our high calling as people of faith. My question though and my challenge today is though, will we do it? Or will we just think it while we're here in this place? Will we go out there and do it? Or will we just mentally ascend to it and go, oh, that was nice and inspiring and now I need a mimosa. <laughs> The shaping of policy and the shaping of paradigms and the shaping of things in this country that are in need of fixing, it starts with you and it starts with me. And the difficult news today is that if you don't do it, no one will. If I don't do it, no one will. Those who want peace, lasting peace, have always outnumbered those who want violence. But those who want peace always have their voices drowned out because those who are violent bark the loudest. And the truth is, is that those of us that want peace need to stand up and bark louder. Not out of anger, not out of retaliation, not returning insult for insult but by standing up and speaking out and speaking up because of love. It is okay to stand up and speak out and declare war on a principle that is causing the harm of human beings. That is just, that is noble, that is good. And in doing so, we come not to bring peace, but a sword to all the destructive ideals of this world so that lasting peace can be a reality for all people, not just those who agree with us. The choice is up to us, you and I. What will we choose? Let's stand and pray. God, forgive us for separating ourselves from others. God, you know that I like categories and boxes and classifications. And I'm so guilty sometimes of loving those things so much that it alienates me from people, especially those who aren't like me. Forgive me for that. God, I ask today that you would give us courage to stand up for what's right. 
stand up for the dignity and the worth of people. I pray that you would help us to see that the point of life isn't about being right and classifying people. The point of life is to give and receive love and to learn out of that exchange. We pray for everything that is going on in our country right now as it is literally being ripped apart by certain systems. We pray for our Congress. We pray for the Senate. We pray for the White House. We pray for all the branches of government. We know that the King's heart is in your hand, Lord. We thank you for those that lead us. We pray that you would help them to lead with the good of people in mind. God, thank you for being a part of all this. Thank you for living in us. I pray that we would hear your voice as we go up escalators and down elevators and walk on the street and sit behind desks and wait tables and do things in the theater. Help us to see people with your eyes. Eyes that love all people as your children. In Jesus' name.